All right. Good morning, everyone. Yeah. So I'm excited to be here with you this morning. How many of you all are excited to be learning about gardening? And as we get started, how many of you have literally never had a garden? Like you've never. Okay. Okay. So we've got. It's a good number. And then. What's that? <laughs> you failed this year. Well, hey, that's better than nothing at all. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to get like a little feel for the room of the gardening experience because I know you might be coming here, but you might have a little bit of gardening experience, but you just want to uh, go a little bit deeper. Um, some of you haven't ever had a garden before so we are approaching this from more of a beginning standpoint and there is yeah yeah <laughs> so there is so much when it comes to gardening um i feel like this post is in the way here uh, there is so much when it comes to gardening that can be covered here's my goal for us this morning before we jump into it and that is to break it down into, to give you a framework so that by the time that you leave, you feel like, okay, I have a framework that I can work from in my garden. And we're going to be talking about real practical things that you can do when it comes to dealing with weeds and pests and things like that. But even deeper is that you have this framework that you can work from because otherwise sometimes it can be a little overwhelming to even know where to start when you're putting in a garden. So Let's start, and if you all don't mind, if we just have a quick word of prayer before we begin. Heavenly Father, I pray that your spirit would be with us as we talk and share together this morning, as we talk about growing food. It's one of the, it is the first uh, occupation that you gave to man, and what a privilege, and I pray that you would guide and that you would be with us during this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So first of all, just a quick little background on myself. And very shortly, my wife Natasha will be here. I don't think she's here right now, but she's just grabbing something and she'll be in. Natasha and I uh, currently live in Virginia, uh, but backing up a little bit, I live with my fam. We have a home on our family farm in Tennessee. And so if any of you have heard of Bountiful Blessings Farm, uh, my dad and my uncle partnered together for many years. We did a commercial farming business. I worked with the family commercial farm for many years and then uh, kind of branched off from the commercial side and started teaching people how to grow their own food more on a home scale. So that's perfect for what we're going to be talking about here uh, today. <laughs> and. So I started an, uh, an online training program where I t take people step-by-step step through the whole process of growing your own food. And that's something that we continue today. Natasha and I just recently moved up to Virginia. It's kind of like a temporary uh, move. We don't know exactly how long we're going to be there, um, but we've been uh, working with the Finleys have an evangelist, uh, evangelism school there. We've been working with them there. And it's kind of forced us into... Uh, learning a whole new side of gardening because we're living in a basement apartment and we only have a very small space to grow like patio gardening and container gardening. So we used to have the whole farm. Now we're in this little tiny space. And so we've learned a whole nother side to the gardening area, uh, gardening world with our patio garden. And we'll have another session after this one talking about patio gardening. But uh, today 
this morning in this session, like I said, I want to take you through uh, this framework that I guide people through when they're putting in their own garden. So let's just go over a quick overview of what we'll talk about. First of all, uh, we're going to talk about the big picture when it comes to the garden. And we'll start from the big picture and then we'll come back down into this, the specifics for our garden. Um, I'll kind of ask you, like, what's your dream goal? I want to get you thinking about what's your dreams for your own garden. Uh, can kind of cast that vision for yourself. And then we'll spend most of our time talking about your garden game plan. And this is the game plan that I, I lead people through. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about it. It's divided into four sections. And it just helps with knowing what to focus on and when to focus on it. And that can take a lot of stress right off of your plate right there, uh, just having that knowledge. And then uh, we'll touch on growing an abundance of food. And then at the end, I'm hoping to save enough time that we can do some question and answers as well, because uh, I'd like to hear from you all. You might have questions that I don't address in this uh, specific uh, seminar, because there's so much that can be, can be talked about. So we'll try and save some time for that. But starting out with the big picture, I'll talk just very briefly about the organic approach. Uh, we come to gardening from uh, an organic approach, an organic perspective, and there's a couple, a couple specific uh, things that are surrounded in that. Number one, we, when you come to gardening from an organic perspective, you're looking at how can you work with nature as much of po as possible versus uh, working against nature. Now, conventional gardening, uh, most conventional gardeners don't necessarily just look at themselves as working against nature, um, but unfortunately what they do often does work against nature. And um, part of that is understanding the whole, am I blocking the screen for some of you all? Um, part of that is understanding the whole ecosystems that are in nature. So you have, um, you know, if you've ever gardened before, you've probably seen bugs in your garden. And some of those bugs can cause a lot of harm. But, uh, and oh, I wish I had put a picture in here. There are insect and insect bugs that actually are extremely beneficial to the garden as well. And Having both of them, um, so part of the whole organic approach is encouraging a biodiversity in your garden because having you, when you have a harmful bug, it's beneficial to have beneficial ones that will balance out the ecosystem. Um, I was just hearing about a situation, I think it was in either Yellowstone or Yosemite, I forget which, it was one of our, Yellowstone, that's what it was. Uh, in Yellowstone, you know, they had had, people had basically taken out all of the wolves, um, just hunting, you know, farmers trying to protect themselves, etc. knocked out all of the wolf population, and the authorities or whoever made the decision-making process said, hey, we need to bring wolves back in here. So they brought wolves back in, and it was amazing, they said, the, the result. Um, the ecosystem changed on every level 
from not only the animal level, because the wolves started, you know, to, um, balancing out the, there was a way massive load amount of, of deer that had built up because there was no wolves to balance them out. So that balanced out, but because the deer balanced out, all of a sudden uh, flora and fauna began growing that wouldn't, wasn't able to grow before because the deer was eating it all. That, you know, changed the insect populations. Like it changed the whole ecosystem just because it brought balance. And so that's what we're wanting to do in our garden as well. I'll tell you one very simple example of this is, um, how, have any of you ever experienced tomato hornworms? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So they come in and they totally decimate your tomatoes and they can eat them in a matter of like one or two days. <laughs> like, boom, they're gone. Um, so they can be really bad. But there is an ins there's a, a wasp that is a parasitic wasp for those tomato hornworms and they will literally come and uh, we just had tomato hornworms in our garden this year and we didn't do anything to them because we had this wasp in the area that came and it, it lays its larvae on the hornworm. You can actually see it. It's like this little white, uh, I have pictures of it. I can show you it later if you want to come up and talk to me, but it's just like this little white larva that it lays on the worm. And the, the larvae ends up eating the worm and kills the worm. And so p part of that, you know, encouraging biodiversity is if we had just gone in and killed off all the tomato hornworms, eventually there would be nothing for the wasp to live on and we'd lose the wasp. And then if we ever had the tomato hornworm, it would never be able to balance out. Does that make sense to you all? So this is part of the big picture organic approach. We're, wanting, we're approaching the garden saying, how can we work with nature as much as possible? How can we encourage biodiversity so that we have a balanced system with the good and bad? So when I see an insect, it doesn't mean that I immediately go out and attack that insect and try and destroy it because I might destroy a good insect along with a bad insect. And then I'm in a worse place off than I started. All right. So let's talk. Let me ask you really quickly what your dream goal is. Anybody have a dream goal of what they would like to do with their garden? And it can be big, it can be small, it can be like, I want to grow all my own food. Anybody have a dream of, yeah? Big tomatoes. Big tomatoes, <laughs> all right. I like that goal. Anyone else have a, a goal with their garden? In essence, grow our own salads at our house. Yeah, yeah, be able to just grow your own salads. There's nothing, uh, m some of my sweetest memories are going out, especially in the winter, because salads do really well in the winter if you have it, and we'll talk briefly about how you can protect them. And getting a fresh salad in the middle of January, fresh spinach, is, is amazing. Someone else said, yes? Training our children to have their own gardens. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Passing that knowledge on. Yes. Yes. In the back. Yeah. You know, isn't that beautiful that um, when your garden does well, it can often provide way more than you need, and it gives that opportunity to share with your neighbors, and it creates a bond of friendship with other people that you would never have um, without that ability to share the food that you grow. So I wanted you just to think about your dream really quickly, uh, because... It's, it's good to dream and it's good to have a vision. You know, the Bible talks about where there is no vision, the people perish, right? It's good to have a vision of where I want to go. Um, 
then it's also good to take that vision and break it down into small steps. Because uh, it's easy, you know, my wife Natasha uh, and I do health coaching and we go through this process of people casting a vision of where they want their health to be ultimately, but then we help them break it down into small steps. Because if you try and get there all in one big step, you'll fail and then you get discouraged. And we don't want you to end up in that situation. And that is honestly what happens with most gardeners. They jump in whole hog. They're like, I want to grow all my own food. They plant all of this stuff. And then it ends up failing. And then they get discouraged. And it's like, oh, that was a flop. What am I going to do now? So break it down and then take it one step at a, step at a time. And this is what we're going to talk about when we go through what I call your garden game plan. This is the framework that I was talking about at the beginning that I wanna just take you through step-by-step step, going through what are you gonna focus on, when are you gonna focus on it, and what are the main key steps that you need to get in place to have a garden starting from scratch, all right? And our garden game plan goes through four levels. Um, number one is what I call the ignition stage and this whole little setup is kind of set up, um, it, you can kind of think of it like uh, getting a rocket ready to launch, you know? And so you have this ignition stage where you're getting everything prepared. Um, then you have a launch stage where you're actually, you know, you got the rocket on the pad, you get everything hooked up to it, and it's getting ready to take off and it, and it lifts off the ground. Now, with our gardens, some oftentimes what happens is people get, get through the ignition stage they get through the launch stage and the rocket takes off and it's just going up, but then it's like the, what was it, the Challenger that, um, that blew up? That's probably a bad illustration, um, but you know, it, it takes off and somehow it gets thrown off to the side and the, your whole garden runs away from you and that's when you've got like weeds that take over your entire garden. And if you've ever had that feeling of, you know, you don't even wanna look at your garden anymore because it just, gives you a heart sickening feeling and you, you know it's got way more work than you can do in it. Um, so there's the launch stage, then there's the grow stage. And this is like as your rocket is taking off um, into uh, out, outer space and you're, you're working on, we'll go through each of these on a more step-by-step, -step. this is just an overview, but you're working on all, all the aspects of growing that fruit, watering it, wheat, keeping it weeded, trans, um, no, transplanting is in the launch. Uh, but trellising your plants and getting the, you know, that, that taking care of them um, stage. And then uh, there is an extend stage where you can throw your garden into orbit where you're growing all year round. And uh, that's kind of a little bit more of an advanced stage and it's kind of optional because you can just grow in the summer if you want to just grow in the summer. But once you get good at that, um, or even if you want to try, uh, even before you get really good at it, you can eat, you, there are simple ways that you can extend your garden and grow year round, even if you live in very, very cold environments. And we'll talk uh, briefly about that. But the main, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's a good question, and I don't know. Is there? Back over this way, it looks like. Okay, that's good to know. It's good to know. So if anyone else needs them. <laughs> so today, this morning, 
we're going to look mostly at the ignition, launch, and grow stages. We'll touch a little bit on the extend because I re recognize that some of you are going to want to go a little bit deeper into that. Um, but for most of us just starting out, I encourage you to focus on these first three stages. And then as you get that down, it's very easy to throw in the additional uh, things to extend it over into the winter. All right, so number one is ignition. And these are kind of a, a little overview of the steps that go on in this ignition stage. And as you're thinking about this, remember I was saying I want to leave you with a framework. And this is the framework that I want to leave you with because each of these stages pretty much are things that you focus on for the most part at different times. And so right now, uh, you know, we're in January, we're coming into the growing season. This ignition stage is where you are at right now. And you don't have to worry about thinking about all of the, the grow. Uh, you know, you'll want to learn uh, how to take care of your plants, obviously. But right now, you can put your focus on the ignition stage. And it just helps you know where do I need to be putting my focus on at this time. Soon you'll be planting your plants and that will be in the launch stage and you'll know, okay, I need to be focusing on these things. So the first stage here is ignition and you'll want to be focusing on planting your garden, ordering seeds, and focus on your soil and nutrients. This is a simple, simplified version. There, there are deeper things that you can go into, but um, a, simplified, the main things that you want to be focusing on right now are planting your garden, ordering seeds, and focusing on your soil and uh, nutrients. The presentation? I can try and get it online. Uh huh. Get it uploaded for you, you guys. Yeah, I'd be happy to share it with you for sure. So here is literally, honestly, where most people struggle. And I'll share with you a few tips of how not to fall into the same trap. It's really quite simple, but it's, a, it's, a, it's something that we've all fallen into, included my, including myself. And this is when it comes into the planning stage of our garden. I can remember on the farm several years ago, my family uh, my dad was running the winter season of the farm. So we were uh, doing all of the winter crops and vegetables. And part of that was growing some of the storage crops for storing in the winter. And we, we planned, but we planned way too big. And so uh, we ended up growing, I think it was about a half acre of sweet potatoes that year. And I tell you, I have never seen so many sweet potatoes in my life. The crop did wonderful, and, but it was just a nightmare to try and get them out of the ground. We were like trying to find people that would come and volunteer to help, you know, and we'd give sweet potatoes away. But then after we'd gotten them all harvested, which was a pretty much a miracle in itself, then we had bins of sweet potatoes that we had to move now, and so we were trying to think up creative ways to, to sell them. Um, so we ended up making these little, we called them little yammy bags, where people could like buy them as a gift bag to give away for Christmas <laughs> or Thanksgiving or something like that. Um, but it all started out with the planning. And we had, so one, one thing that often happens to us as gardeners is we start out and we we think big. Uh, and it's really easy to do when it comes to gardening because it's easy to plant a lot of plants 
but it can take a little bit more to take care of them down the road. It's easy to get a lot started in the beginning. But what, what I want to talk about here specifically, where most people struggle, is um, that one, one side of it is planning and planning too big for what you can take care of. Another side of it is this whole um, idea of success versus failure. You know, all of us live busy lives to a certain degree. Or I, I should just say, how many of you would consider your life busy? Okay, yeah, most of us. Some of us in the room might have a more relaxed life, but I know from my wife, Natasha, and I, we live a pretty busy life. And it can be difficult sometimes to think, how, how can I fit the garden into my schedule, right? And what happens is we can often easily fall into a big trap and can any of you guess what the trap is when it comes to planning your garden? What's that? Okay, too big is one. Too many plants, yeah. Takes too much time. Yeah. There's one other trap that I'm thinking of that. Not starting. Not starting. Procrastinating. There, it is so easy for us as gardeners to. When it comes to planning the garden specifically, to procrastinate and to delay, and sometimes uh, if you've never done it before, you can also have like a brain freeze when it gets overwhelming thinking of all the decisions that you need to make and where do I start. And so uh, what often happens is, number one, for some people, they plan and they plan too big, all right? So that might be you. For other people, procrastination can be the real big game changer where you don't ever even start planning because it, it's kind of overwhelming or life is too busy and so it's always pushed off to the side and, and you never get into that planning process for your garden and all of a sudden it's the gardening season and you're trying to figure out what plants need to be planted now. You're kind of running by the seat of your pants and, you're, and so then you find out, oh, I need to be planting tomatoes now, but my tomatoes aren't ordered. And so now I need to order my tomatoes, but then I have to wait for the seeds to come. And then you're already running behind. All right. Um, hey, it happens to the best of us. So you're not alone if you go through that experience or if you've gone through that experience before. But I want to share with you some tips to, uh, to eliminate needing to go through that experience yourself. Um, here's how not to fall into this trap. The first one is to take it one step at a time. Don't try and figure everything out all at once. There is a lot to think about when it comes to growing a garden. There's a lot of options. Uh, you might get a seed catalog and start looking through it and you could get overwhelmed just by looking through the seed catalog because they've got a hundred different varieties of tomatoes and you don't know which one to pick, right? So. Um, take it one step at a time, and I'll, I'll share with you some simple steps that you can go through that you can write down in your notes um, to do this. But so uh, what I would suggest is set aside a time to plan in your schedule. So wherever you're at right now, you know, when your garden comes later on, you're going to need some time in your schedule to take care of your garden. So if you can start blocking out that time for your garden in your schedule now, you'll set your up, yourself up for success later on. Um, so set aside some time to plan, uh, plan in your schedule, and it doesn't have to be like an hour every single day. You know, you don't have to make it overwhelming. It could be half an hour, two times a week. It could be 
maybe an hour once a week, but at least if you have some time set aside and marked in your calendar so that you know this is designated for my garden. Otherwise, inevitably it will slip by uh, with the busyness of life and something else will fill it in. Uh, so set aside that time, then take it one step at a time and start planning um, early. So leaving this conference is the time to start planning your garden. You know, you're here, you're excited about it, set aside that time in your calendar, and now is the time to start planning your garden. I know it's January and you might not be um, ready to plant certain things uh, right now as soon as you go home, but if you have the plan set up, you'll know when you need to be planting them when the time comes and you'll have those seeds um, ordered and ready. And then the, the last thing here is you can even get accountability. That can be helpful for some of us. If, we, if you know that procrastination is really your big struggle, um, you can get accountability from someone, a friend that is gardening with you, uh, and you say, hey, I, I need to get my garden planned. Can you just keep me accountable? And um, you know, I'll keep you accountable. We'll ask each other in two weeks you know, where we're at, and uh, that can be very helpful. So when it comes to actually making your plan, I want to give you, because I, I just said, you know, take it one step at a time. So I want to give you some of those steps, all right, so we can make this really practical uh, for you. Um, but first, with making your plan, understand that everything revolves around your garden plan. If you have a plan for your garden this season, and this is especially critical for those that are just starting off with your garden, if you have a plan, it will set you up. It's probably the single most thing that will set you up for success in your garden this year over um, anything else. Would be your plan and, um, and, well, your plan is definitely the foundation. It's the first step. And then um, we'll talk about focusing on, on your soil and, and how to focus on building up healthy plants themselves. But your plan is the first foundational that will set you up for success. Everything else revolves around it. Um, I want you to go from here and into this next season feeling that you were the master of your garden versus your garden being the master of you. Um, you know, Martin Luther once had a quote where he... and he, he said this about a great musician of his time, and I forget the musician's name, but he said, um, the music obeys the man, and he, he named the man. The music would obey the man, uh, versus he being ruled by the music. Instead, he told the music where to go. And I want you to have that experience um, in your garden where at the end of the day, you come to the end of your season, and you were the master of your garden, and you feel that satisfaction that... You know, not only did I grow wonderful food, but it grew well. And it wasn't, um, it wasn't the master of my life, and it didn't run away from me and um, take over my life. So step by step, making your plan. Here is the, the, the practical steps for starting out. First of all, the first step, and so when you're set aside that time in your schedule to start making your plan, the first session that you can do when you sit down is say, okay, I'm going to come up with a list of what I want to grow. Choose what I want to grow. And that can be, um, and here's, here's what I would encourage you. Start out just thinking uh, broadly. What do I want to grow? I want to grow tomatoes. I want to grow cucumbers, eggplant, 
green beans. And you might come up with a, you might come up with a large list and then you can pare it down from there. But um, start out just thinking, what do I want to grow? And write it down on paper um, of the different veggies that you want to grow. And that could be your first little planning session is just that. And you don't need to feel like you need to do more than that in your first planning session. You know, that might take up all of your time. And you say, okay, I'll do the next step later. Don't try and get it all done all at once. Um, if you have the time to get it all done at once, you can do that. Um, but that can be a little overwhelming for some people. Um, the second is choose where to grow it. So you want to look around your space and say, where am I going to put my garden? This is especially for you all that are just starting out. You know, some of you, if you've gardened before, you might already have a garden area. But um, in this class, you know, I'm talking to people that have never gardened before, and you're going to want to look around your house and say, where can I put the garden? Some places um, have more options than others, right? Uh, so you're going to have to work with what you have. If you can, uh, a couple tips on this is you want to find an area of your um, garden that has the most sunlight possible for most of your crops. So for us in the northern hemisphere, that's generally going to be on the southern side of your house. Um, or if you have a larger property, uh, you'll want to look for uh, an area that gets a large amount of sunlight. Uh, where Natasha and I are in Virginia, uh, it's actually a real blessing because our house, like the patio, is on the southern side of the house, and so that's where we do our patio gardening at the moment. Um, but you want to look for a place that has the most sunlight. If you don't, if you are literally in a situation where you don't have anywhere that gets, you want at least, um, at least six to eight hours of sunlight a day, preferably eight to ten in the summer. Um, where your garden is. And that's gonna be for most of your fruiting crops, like your tomatoes, your cucumbers, your eggplant, your squash. Some of your greens, if, uh, so if you don't have that opportunity in your growing area, if your house just doesn't afford that, then uh, there are vegetables that you can grow that don't need as much sunlight. And that's gonna be mo most of your greens and your herbs and some of your root vegetables like your um, <clears throat> carrots and um, turnips and stuff, they can handle a little bit less sunlight. So you do have some options if you don't have the perfect ideal location. Um, but what you want to do is number one, choose what you're going to grow. Number two is choose where you're going to grow it and map, map it out on a little piece of paper. And we'll talk about um, setting up your garden beds here in just a second. The next step would be to order your seeds. Once you have chosen what to grow and where to grow it is to order your seeds. And that will take actually getting your, um, yeah, <laughs> getting those catalogs and going through and picking um, which ones to, to get. Um, uh, I'm just looking at the time because there are, there are some tips I can give you for choosing, uh, the, choosing varieties. Here's what I'll tell you. We have an ultimate garden cheat sheet that uh, we give away in our, in our business. And it has listed on it our favorite uh, crop spacings for like how far apart we plant our plants. It has our uh, favorite, and it also has our favorite varieties on it 
that we have especially appreciated, and that can be a good starting place when you're, when you're choosing your varieties. If, you're, um, if that's a struggle for you, if it's overwhelming to look at a whole seed catalog, it can be a starting point to say, hey, I'll just try what you've done, and it's been a success for you. And most of them should work for uh, most of you all as well. So I can give that to you, and I can see if I can upload that as well, um, along with the presentation. And uh, it's got more information on there. It's got whether we direct seed them or transplant them, other uh, information. It's like a quick lookup guide for your different crops. That can be very helpful for you all. All right, the second part of this ignition stage is focusing on your soil. So the first part is planning. You want to go through those, those steps of choosing what you're going to grow, where you're going to grow it, ordering your seeds, getting ready. And then you also want to focus on your soil. Your soil really is the health of your garden. If you think about it, the garden mirrors a lot our own personal health. Um, when our bodies are healthy, we're more resistant to diseases that come and attack us, right? And the healthier your garden is, your plants are, the more resistant they are to disease. Well, what is it that makes our bodies healthy? You are what we, we eat, right? Um, so what we put in affects the health of our bodies. And it's the same in, I mean, there's more to it. You know, you, got to, you have exercise, there's other things to it, but a major part is what we eat. And the same thing happens in the garden. The, our, where, where do your plants eat? They eat from the soil. They do take in some from the air as well, but they, a lot of it is from the soil. And so the healthier your soil is, the healthier your plants are gonna be. Does that make sense? And believe it or not, uh, a healthy plant is more resistant to pests and diseases as well. I can share with you some illustrations uh, later on here. But the, the main purpose here is I want you to come away recognizing that the second thing for you to focus on is your soil. You need a good garden plan, but you want to also start beginning focusing on your soil. Now, there is an option to get a soil test. I understand that, you know, for a lot of us just starting out, that can be a little overwhelming to think, you know, should I get a soil test? If I do, where am I going to get it and how in the world am I going to figure it out? Um, I don't have time to go into all of that here in this presentation. Um, in our online garden training where I take people step by step through growing their garden, you know, we go into a lot more detail about that and I walk you through the whole process of getting a soil test. You don't necessarily have to get a soil test. It is a good thing and I would encourage it, um, but you don't necessarily have to get a soil test to start out. Um, you can start with, the, the number one thing that you'll want to do to improve your soil if you don't get a soil test, and even if you did, you would want to be doing this um, anyways, but the number one thing that you want to do is wherever you're growing your garden, you'll want to add organic matter to your garden soil in the form of some kind of compost. Um, compost is broken down organic matter. And so there are many different places that you can get compost. Uh, you can get them at your uh, local centers. You can get different types of compost. I would suggest looking for an organic compost in your area. Um, sometimes there you might find um, 
Leaf mold compost, which is broken down leaves, that is very excellent for your garden. Uh, mushroom compost, if you can get an organic mushroom compost, can be good as well. Some people wonder about like horse manure and um, manures. Those can be okay, but I would be careful where they're coming from. So you want to look into what is the source of the manure. Uh, if it's from a local farm that you know where the horses have been and you know that they're not pumping them full of antibiotics and other uh, things like that, then uh, you could feel a little bit more safe. But you'd want to also make sure that the horse manure is broken down. Um, so if they've been bedding the horses, you want to make sure that that is broken down to the point where you can hold it in your hand and it doesn't smell like manure anymore. It smells like a rich earthy smell. All right, and then you can add that to your garden. Um, but organic matter in and of itself, no matter where your soil level is, it will improve your soil. Not only the structure of your soil, but it will also add uh, nutrients to the soil depending on what co compost it is. Some will add more nutrients than others. Um, it'll add nutrients, but one of even, even a greater thing um, along with that is that it encourages uh, microbial life in the soil. Um, believe it or not, the soil that we are stepping on is alive with life. You might not think about it, often, uh, often we don't think about it, but um, if you took a, uh, a teaspoon of soil and counted the microbes and the bacteria and the microbial life in it, if you counted one a second, can any of you guess how long it would take you to count all of the microbes in a teaspoon of soil? A lifetime. Not quite a lifetime. A year. a year? That's a good guess. Anyone else have a guess? It would take you about 30, 31 years counting one a second to count all the microbes in a teaspoon of soil. That's a lot of life. Now, that, that's, a, that's a good soil. Now, your so yes, that hasn't been <laughs> treated with chemicals and Roundup that's killed off that life, because you can kill the life in the soil. So that's a good soil. But you want that life in your soil. Those microbes and those bacteria, they help make nutrients available to your plants. Um, they create symbiotic relationships with your plants that protect them from diseases and other um, intruders. So uh, adding that organic matter is going to encourage that microbial life in your soil and it will help with the building up a, a better structure in your soil, um, keeping it loose so that it's not too compact. Or if you have sandy soil, it gives, uh, you know, it gives a little body so that it can hold water better because water will just drain out of sand a lot easier. So whatever your soil is, it will help with improving it and starting it out. And then, it, and then um, when it comes to fertilizing your garden, your compost and organic matter is not necessarily going to have all of the key nutrients for your garden, all right? Um, if it's really good compost, it may, it, you know, it may be cl close and it may be getting there and it's good to add it, but you may need some more nutrients for your garden. And without taking a soil test, it's kind of hard to know which ones you need the most, all right? But um, I'm gonna share with you our number one garden fertilizer that gives a good balance of nutrients. Um, so if you 
if you haven't taken a soil test, you could start out with using this, all right? And um, that is, it's called uh, an all-natural fertilizer vegan mix from down to earth. So uh, you can write that down if you want to get some for yourself. It's, uh, this particular fertilizer is a vegan mix, which means that it's all plant-based. Uh, the reason for that isn't necessarily because I'm totally against using any type of animal product or, um, or animal fertilizer, but because I am against using fertilizers that are sourced from uh, factory farms. And most of fertilizers will have either blood meal or feather meal um, in them that is sourced from a factory farm where those animals are being pumped full of antibiotics and all kinds arsenic, you know, you get um, a lot of, you, you don't know what is in it. And so it's just safer to go with something that is like this. And um, I can tell you that we started using this this year and it totally revolutionized our garden. Um, now we are growing in containers this year and so nutrients are even more important. And um, we started out using an organic uh, liquid nutrient, but it was missing a couple nutrients and that made all the difference to switch to this, which is a, a, a powder. It's more natural. Yes. That's what I was going to ask if it was a powder. It is. It is. It's the actual, like, it's got crushed soft rock phosphate in it. It's, it's the um, natural, it's basically a pre-made mix of what I would use if I was growing it out in a, in a, in a main garden. So it's got, like, um, kelp meal, soft rock phosphate, um, green sand, uh, and others mixed together. It's not that bad. Um, I forget, the box like this, it was like 16 bucks or something for, I don't remember, it was like five pounds or something. You can order it online at Amazon. Mm -hmm. And you can get larger quantities than this. You know, you can get it in a larger uh, quantity if you need to. Yeah. How frequent, if you don't want to mess with soil tests because you're doing uh, small beds and stuff like that, how frequent is it after every season that you harvest that you want to redo your soil? Or? Yes, that's a good question. And if, you, if you're not doing a soil test, I would definitely do it in the beginning of the season. I would... I would start out trying to do it like maybe a couple times in the season, maybe when you switch a crop out, um, put a little bit more in. And on the box, it has some more instructions as to ratios, like how much are you going to spread out over 100 feet? Um, and then you can break it down for your own personal garden. Do you do like in pots and stuff, you wanna, is it just the top eight, 12 inches? You don't want to go further, right? I would mix it into the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, when we did it, our plants were already in the pots, and so I just scratched it into the top and watered it in, and it worked well that way as well, but that was because the plants were already established, and I couldn't mix it all the way in, but I would mix it all the way in in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yes? That was going to be a personal question. Yeah. Do you have, like, an Amazon store that we can click on, like, your site to be able to buy this through you so that way it helps you out? Yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, that's really kind of you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's really kind of you. Um, so our Amazon store is store.borntogrow.net. Store.borntogrow. Yeah, 
born to grow dot net mm-hmm store dot born to grow b o r n yeah b o r n t o g r o w dot net and it has this on there mm -hmm. and um, so you'll go on there and when you click to check out it'll redirect you over to Amazon it will automatically add it to your cart and then you just go through the checkout process well thanks for bringing that up that was kind of you <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yes, what I would do is I would prepare my garden bed and loosen up the soil and then I would spread it out over the bed area that I was going to grow and then I would scratch it in um, with, we use what we call a three-prong cultivator, but you could use a rake or something and scratch it into the soil so it's scratched into the top layer of the soil. Just a general, not too heavy. Yeah, not too heavy. And like I said, on the box, it has recommendations for how much, yeah. And I don't have them off the top of my head, so <laughs> you'll... Um, now, uh, going along with uh, the soil test, uh, we are, at the conference here, we are doing a little drawing for you all uh, for a free soil test. So if anyone is interested in a soil test, uh, you can sign up and at the end, or maybe I'll just give it to... Hey, hun. Do you want to just pass these out? We have a, um, here's more. Okay, raise your hands if you want one. Yeah, so we have a little, um, little sign up and we'll just do a drawing at the end and uh, someone will win a free soil test and we'll give you like nutrient recommendations uh, for your soil. All right. All right, we need to move along here. Um, stage, moving on to stage two, which is the launch of your garden. And during this stage, you're going to be focusing on preparing your garden and beds, building up your soil, seeding your garden, and uh, transplanting. Um, so direct seeding into your garden or transplanting your plants into your garden. There are many different ways that you can set up your garden. All right. Um, some people use the square foot gardening method. How many of you have heard of the square foot gardening method? Yeah. So some people use the square foot gardening method, and that is a good method to use. Um, we use something uh, that is similar to the square foot gardening method, uh, but it is specifically in growing in 30 inch wide beds. Now the square foot gardening method oftentimes will have you gardening like in a four by eight plot. Um, what can be a little bit difficult about that sometimes is that it's a little bit hard to reach into the center or you know you can't step across it or reach over. So uh, we suggest growing in a 30 inch wide bed and uh, there's some advantages to that I'll share in just a second here. One advantage first of all though for growing in a bed versus growing in a row some people, um, a conventional, more conventional standard way to garden is just to grow in rows. So you'll take like uh, a row of lettuce and then, you know, 12 inches over another row of lettuce, 12 inches over another row of lettuce. Um, kind of like in the picture here where you just have like this row of beets and then you'd move over and have another row of beets. Um, but if you grow in a bed that is a little bit wider and is designated for your plants, you can actually plant your plants in a staggered pattern like this, and you can fit a lot more in. 
and so you can actually maximize your growing area plus there's additional benefits to where as your plants grow they will grow up close to each other and they'll shade out the weeds underneath so you have less weeding so there's multiple benefits to growing in a bed and you just think of this as continuing down um, like that um, yeah this says two feet but we suggest 30 inches yeah which is two and a half two and a half feet um, so there's a couple, few advantages of growing in a 30-inch wide bed. Um, it's easy to step across straddle, uh, like I was talking about earlier, or to reach uh, across if you're working on it from either side. Uh, there's also many quality tools that are designed specifically for a 30-inch wide bed, so that can make it uh, easy. And then our plant spacing recommendations are based off of it. So if you know, when I upload the, the cheat sheet online and you go download it, uh, we have specific plant spacing recommendations that we like to use to get the maximum out of our garden space. And those are based off of a 30 inch wide bed. Another advantage is that it's really ideal for a home garden um, in the sense that if you do a 20 foot bed, it is equal to 50 square feet or one-fifth of 100 linear feet. And this is where it comes into figuring out how much fertilizer to put on your garden. Because on the little box, remember I was telling you, it'll tell you how much to put on. And it will say, put so much on per 100 feet. And so then you would know, you could, it's, it makes it easy to figure out um, in, when you're adding the fertilizers to your garden. Then a big key in your garden, and this is a cardinal rule, is that beds are not to be walked on. You always want to walk on a pathway in between. And we often, because we like to maximize our space, we'll often do a 12-inch pathway in between. So it's a small path, um, but it maximizes our space. You can do a larger path in between if you want a little bit more space. Just remember, the more space in between, that space is open for weeds and other things to grow. And so the more space that you have, the more you have to deal with um, other things growing in that area. And here is a little example of what a garden can look like in that area. So this is like a 20 foot wide garden. You have a one foot pathway in between, 30 inch wide bed, and you can see kind of how the plants are staggered in there. Um, yeah, y'all can, am I in the way? You can take a picture of it if you want. And I, I will try and get the presentation up where you can download it as well. Um, next is building up your soil. We talked about adding organic matter to your soil. You want to add compost um, into your soil. Uh, worm castings is another good uh, source of organic matter to add into your soil. You can get worm castings from local garden centers and stuff. And then... Um, I mentioned our number one garden fertilizer. The reason why I have this in this section is <clears throat> why it's in both the ignition and the launch is because in ignition, that's the time to start figuring out what I'm going to use from our garden. Where am I gonna get the compost from? Which fertilizer am I getting and ordering it? In the launch phase, that's when you're actually gonna add it to your garden. Because like I was mentioning earlier, you want to prepare your bed, loosen up the soil, and then that's when you're gonna put the compost onto your garden bed or the, the fertilizer onto your garden bed and scratch it into the soil, and then you'll plant into it on top of that. All right. 
Um, next is, this is the exciting part, and that is seeding and transplanting. And, and really, this is one of my favorite parts of gardening, is getting the little starts started. It's so much fun, and it makes your garden look really nice. Um, when it comes to seeding and transplanting, you want to, you need moisture, light, and warmth for germination of your seeds. Uh, most seeds germinate best around 70 degrees. Uh, some will germinate lower than that as well, but it's ideal if you have it around 70 degrees. And um, it can be a real benefit to, um, most of the things that we plant, we like to plant inside and then transplant outside. And there's benefits to doing that, um, which I'll touch on in just a second. But you can plant your seeds directly into the soil as well. Either way, a little plant, general planting rule is to cover your seeds three to four times their diameter. So for example, um, if you plant a quarter inch diameter pea seed, you know peas are about a quarter inch, you wanna plant it about an inch deep. Um, now your beet seeds are gonna be smaller, so you're gonna only plant those maybe a quarter inch deep or, or a quarter to half inch for a, a beet. Uh, you know, your lettuce seed is even smaller, you're gonna plant that just very uh, shallow, a quarter inch probably at max. Uh, if you are planting directly into the garden for cool and heavy soils, you can plant a little shallower if your soil is kind of heavy. Um, warm or dry soils, you can plant slightly deeper. I wouldn't worry about that as much when you're just starting out. It's not gonna make much of a difference. Um, but then the main key is you wanna keep that soil moist until germination. All right. Um, there are advantages to transplanting. I'm running out of time here, so I'm just gonna run through these real quick. Uh, transplanting can be more reliable. It's, there's, you can give your plants better care when they're starting out. You have an almost sure harvest when you transplant out um, your plant. It's easier to deal with the weeds later on because your plants have a head start. Um, it increases the effectiveness of succession planting and shelter gives your plants a head start when you start them in a sheltered environment. Stage three is growing, and this is where you have um, a lot. This is probably where most people face the most challenges when it comes to weeds and pests, right? Those are kind of two of the big challenges that gardeners often face. Um, so in the grow stage, you're gonna focus on watering, weeding, trellising, pest and disease control, harvesting, and storing your vegetables. And I wanna give you just a few tips. Um, we'll start out with a quick watering tip. Because Wa people sometimes have questions about how often do I water, when do I water, uh, how, you know, what's, what's gonna be best for my plants. I would encourage you to water in the morning or the early afternoon. Now there's a myth that if you water when the sun is out, it will burn your plants. That's actually a myth. You can water in the middle of the day and it will be fine. We do it on the farm all the time. Um, but the, the key here is that you want to water in the morning or the early afternoon so your plants dry out before nighttime. Because if your plants go through the night when the temperatures drop, um, number one, they don't like it as much to be wet and cold. Uh, now, uh, obviously in the summer it might not get so cold, but when they stay wet for a long period of time, that can foster disease as well. And so it's good to have them have a chance to dry out and they'll dry out best in the sunshine. Yeah. And then the next question is how much do you water your plants? And here it's really key to uh, just keep an eye on your garden and check the soil to see if it's moist. Uh, you know, uh, 
I had one gardening student one time that was asking me, you know, how do I know when to water my plants? And I said, you know, well, one thing that you can do is you can literally just take your finger and push it down into the soil and check and see if it's moist underneath. And she was like, oh, that's a brilliant idea. It's a great idea. And, you know, it might, seem, it might seem like common sense, but sometimes we don't think about it. And that's, you know, if you've never done it before, then um, that's a very simple way to just put your finger down, check and see if the soil is moist. If it is, then you probably don't need to water it. Now, if you're watching your plants and you see that your plants are starting to wilt, check and see if the soil is moist. If the soil is moist and they're wilting, it's probably not because of water. It's either because of a disease or it's because of overwatering. Because overwatering and underwatering can both have the same, um, the same symptoms. Uh, they will both, both will end up with your plants wilting. But if it's very dry, then you know, well, they probably need water. Um, so watch for wilt in your plants as well when it comes to watering. A quick weeding tip is here's a quick weeding tip of how you can eliminate 70% of your weeds before you can even see them. And uh, I just threw that number up there. It might be greater, it might be a little bit less, but you can eliminate a lot of your weeds before you can even see them. And what happens is what we call um, cultivate, don't weed. What happens is uh, when a plant sprouts, it has, if you've ever grown sprouts, you know it has that little white uh, thread of a root, and that root comes out before even the leaves come out, right? And that's called the white thread stage. And so you have in your soil, you have little seeds that are sprouting underneath the soil that you can't even see. And when they're in that stage, they're at their most vulnerable point in life. And so if you come in and just gently stir the surface of your soil, you can actually knock out a lot of those little sprouts because just even a little bit of disturbance will knock them out where they, well, they'll stop growing and you can knock out a lot of your weeds. So skim the soil when the weeds are just germinating. So literally when they're about that size. So the, the hardest thing here is that we usually aren't thinking about weeding when the weeds are that size. But if you do, you'll knock out a lot of your weeds. It'll be a lot easier um, for you. And there are tools that you can just skim the top of the soil. It's kind of like sweeping a room. Um, it makes it very easy. Uh, for pests and diseases, uh, as we come up to... My time is running away fast. So for pest and disease control, uh, the number one thing that I want you to focus on is building up the health of your plant. Because like I mentioned before, a healthy plant will be resistant to pests and diseases. We've seen it firsthand where the pests literally go after the, the plants that are, are stressed. And they'll leave the unstressed plants alone. Um, uh, talking about insect pest. Rabbits are a different story, but insect pest. Um, healthy plants are resistant. Um, there are other natural solutions if you are facing a pest problem uh, right this moment, like if it's t totally taken over your garden. White flies. White flies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that can be that can be difficult. Um, let me let me just run through this, and we can talk personally about that um, afterwards. Just because I realize that my time is running away, so I'm sorry about that. Um, there are some natural solutions that you can use. I'm gonna give you one example here for um, an aphid cure, and this will work for other insects as well. Um, but 
what we did, this was a plant that we had that was literally just demolished by aphids. Um, and you can see it's pretty much almost dead. Uh, the, the leaves, you can't see the aphids on it because the aphids are on the underside of the leaves. Um, but we came and we sprayed it with a mix of soapy water. And we just used regular dish soap, put a couple squirts in a, in a squirt um, bottle, um, mixed it with water, so it diluted the soap, and sprayed the soapy water on the insects. And that will kill the insect. Um, even larger insects, soapy water will kill larger insects if you can physically spray it on them. Next, we fertilized and we used a, an organic, this is a liquid fertilizer uh, called BioThrive. It's, an, uh, it's a very good fertilizer. We fertilized it to give the plant, because remember I said you want to focus on the health of your plant, and that gives your plant that extra nutrient boost to boost its immune system. And then you want to water your plants well. Make sure that they have a good amount of water, especially for aphids. Um, they often come because of water stress. Um, but you want to water your plants well. And how many of you would like to see the plant 21 days later? This is what our plant looked like 21 days later after we had done just that simple little three-step process. We literally did it only once. We sprayed it with soap once, fertilized it once, watered it, and 21 days later. Now, I will just help you understand, these leaves did not turn into these leaves. This is new growth, all right? New growth that came out. <laughs> it's not quite that much of a miracle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so sometimes it's good just to make that. <laughs> um, and then extend is the last um, section, and that is protecting your veggies growing in the winter. If you want to extend your season, I would encourage looking into getting what's called a row cover. And you can make little hoops like you see in the picture here, and it protects your veggies. The key in the winter is more protection from the wind and the elements than it is as much giving your plants heat. It does keep them warmer, um, but the wind and the elements is what really hurts your plants the most. Um, and then the key to growing an abundance in your garden is really following this, uh, is following this game plan and focusing on each section at the time in your garden. Go through the ignition section, get it down. Go through the launch section, the grow, and the extend, and um, you will have... A, a good garden year. We speak uh, faith for you. With the right system in place, you can grow an abundance of food with less effort, less disease, less work, less stress, and less overwhelm. Um, but the key really is having that system and having it in place and following it in your garden. Um, so if any of you are interested in, it's really hard, y'all. It's really hard to pack how to garden into one hour. So, um, there is so much more that we, that we can cover. If any of you are interested in going deeper um, into, into this system, we do have an online gardening membership course where we take people through each step. Um, we have short master classes that go down to the fundamentals that you need to know, and then we have longer ones if you want to go into more depth in it. And um, at the conference, we are giving um, up to 50% off on all of our garden training resources. Um, I'll just show you real quick. We have a membership that you can join that goes through all of the process. And then we also have a couple gardening courses. Um, 
a home gardening course that goes into more depth. And these are the courses are available on the membership or you can buy them standalone. If you're interested in looking more into those, then stop by our booth. It's just right in the uh, hall when you come in and we'll be happy to share more about those um, with you and, and uh, you can figure out what's best for you if that's something that interests you. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.